This podcast contains sensitive content, which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. The podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. And the reason <laughs> the reason we're both laughing already is because I have pressured my mom into, do- <laughs> into doing <laughs> an episode about something that is still hashtag too real uh, for both yes. of us right now. Okay, mm-hmm. so in our last episode, we talked about wanting to do an episode on how our anxiety systems slash like how we process stress has been changed through our traumatic experiences. Before we talk about the one I don't want to talk about, can we talk about some of the lesser ones and sort of warm up to the one I don't want to talk about? Can we talk about teeth? That's a good question. And the answer is no. Oh, what? <laughs> We're moving trying? straight into the big one, baby. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Come on, no. because if you are going to cancel this take, I don't want to be 45 minutes in. So we're jumping straight into the one that you're uncomfortable with. Because the podcast we... isn't even 45 minutes long. <laughs> exactly. Minutes. Exactly. So here's the thing. I soon, I'm not going to tell you no! when, because that's even more anxiety producing for both Stop of us. Stop talking. I very soon am going to No, Bali. don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> going to Bali, Indonesia. For Ugh. like a girl's vacation with my, my best heart friend. is racing. Stop talking. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Just leave me some water, some chips if you have them. <laughs> Go on without me. <laughs> I love that movie. That's a that's a movie line Chicken from little. Oh, Chicken Little. Such a great movie. Then such the pig, the, the enormous pig can't keep up because they're speed walking through a spaceship and the enormous pig collapses on the floor scene. and he goes. Go on without me. Just leave me some water, some chips if you chips have them. If you've got them. <laughs> That's right after he freaks out with the uh, with the yeah. vending machine. He, He's trying yeah. to put his dollar in, <laughs> and the dollar keeps coming yeah. back up. And he hyperventilates exactly. Okay. Anyway, so keep in mind you are that right now, hyperventilating <laughs> because of the vending machine. And I am it's Chicken so Little, try, an ugly duckling, trying to get you up and continue on our journey. Hold on. Let me go get some chips. <laughs> Oh, my word. Okay, so I'm going to Bali. Here's the thing. I'm uh, going to have a great time. But the other the other thing is that of the countries you can go to, Bali is not necessarily the safest. Yes, I understand this. However, no, it is not a guarantee that I'm never going to come back. So here's, oh, here's the Oh, my difference. word. I can't. I'm having a panic attack. I can't do the rest of the show. I can't. Seriously. I don't want to do that. Before mom and I went through everything we went through, 
here's how this conversation would have gone. Mom, guess what? I'm planning a four or five day vacation with my best friend. We're going to Indonesia for a little bit and we're staying in five star resorts and it's going to be super fun. Then mom would say, oh my word, that's so exciting. Please make sure you let me know where you're staying so I know where you are and so that, you know, please make sure you do these normal safety things, <laughs> register with the embassy, etc. Here's how it went in reality. <laughs> this is the thing I already knew that it would it would freak us both out. I am going on a vacation with my best friend. Okay, where are you going? Uh, well, we're going to Bali. Cue five-minute silence, followed by about 20 articles <laughs> from, like, national <laughs> alert. Googling. Yeah, Googling why not to go to Bali. Why Bali is a no. And all of those articles, oh. followed by, like, if you go... I am going to die. I'll never forgive you. I'm so <laughs> panicked. <laughs> I'm, throwing, I'm telling dad. I remember you saying, I'm going to tell dad. Dad is not going to allow you to go. <laughs> Meanwhile, like my parents have not had control over where I go or do not go for like years and years and years. I grounded you, I think. <laughs> yeah, this is like, you are not allowed to have a sleepover with your friend. Yeah, but I'm not allowing sleepovers anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and then, but it didn't just stop there because she I'm sweating. definitely. I'm seriously, I'm sweating over here. I can't handle it. I can't handle hearing about my horrible momhood and I can't handle hearing about Bali. I'm just, I'm overloaded. Okay, go ahead. What? Bali. Mm -hmm. It Broke started Down Palace. Watch that oh, movie, Broke Down stop. Palace. Stop because Ear you're starting to make me crawling sweat. into your ear. Okay. Uh, this is okay. pretty much how it's gone, pretty much. You're right. Yeah, and okay. it hasn't stopped. Very unhealthy. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. mom sends me all of this stuff about Bali. She says, you're you're going to die. And then it... <laughs> are you choking? Hello? Are you still there? I'm choking at my unhealthiness. I'm hearing it back into my earphone. Okay. So then it doesn't stop there because then it it moves into me. It's like a parasite. <laughs> that moves directly from your brain into my brain. And then I then went to my husband and I said, my word, Aaron, is this actually unsafe? Like, am I actually, is this? <laughs> yes, I hope he said is yes. Is this bad? Like, these are often things my mom says. It says the country is on high alert for this or that or da-da-da-da-da. And he looks at me and he goes, Anna, you're going to be fine. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, Anna, schools here, almost every public school in the country takes like fifth graders on school trips. That's something we do in this country. Field trips, but to another country for like a week. Almost every school here takes you while you're still like under grade six to Bali for like an educational cross-cultural experience. That would have been helpful information for me to have. How come, I, how come Aaron didn't text me that? Because in your way of communicating your anxiety, you don't leave room for anybody else to, to share any anything with you. Forgive me. Shame me. So this is so to wrap it up in one interaction, I said to my mom, Mom, maybe it would help you if you Google best vacations in Bali. And she said back to me, Maybe it would help you if you Google why not to go to Bali. <laughs> so so this is the thing. We are both, it's like unstoppable force, immovable object. It's like both of us are very stubborn, but our anxiety also feeds off of each other. And here's the thing. That's not how it used to be. And I think that the reason well, it's not that way. A little bit. I mean, I've, I've been, I've struggled with, you know, thinking there's an ax murder in the closet for a long time. 
That's true. And you know what is is so funny is that I also have had that fear. But recently, after my surgery, I have developed a way of coping with it, which is like, say I wake up randomly at 3 a.m. And I'm like, there's somebody in my closet for sure. And then I decide, well, what's that person going to do? Is he going to kill me? And then I decide, okay, he's going to kill me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What's the worst case scenario that can happen? And am I okay with the worst case scenario? That is how I have decided to deal with my anxiety when I have those moments of anxiety. That's, That's how I deal with it. What is the absolute worst case that kind could happen? Kind of morose a little bit. Yeah, and can I handle it? Yeah, a little bit macabre, but you know what? It works. Macabre. However, it does not work when I'm with you. And yes, you, seriously, you feed it. Like, for me, it's this I little know. pile of tinder. And you come over with your little gum boots and your little gardening <laughs> gloves. And you chop down half of the my Amazon forest and pile it on top of my pile of tinder. Exactly. And you set that baby ablaze. And I am like... <laughs> dying of anxiety hyperventilating leave me some water some chips if you have them within five (laughs) seconds of interacting with you like seriously i know i need need help i do i need i need help on this and i have been trying to (laughs) do my work you know do my own do my own work on this and it's it's presenting a wonderful opportunity for me to uh do more work and i i clearly after doing this podcast, need much more work because I'm basically sweating. I'm about Choking. ready to have like a fainting spell. And so here's the thing that, that might help you. At least this is this is kind of turning into how, how how has our anxiety processing technique changed and more into let's process my, my international trip that's coming up together on, on air. This is true. But here's what might help you. The reason, oh. because here's the thing, I actually considered canceling the trip when you sent me all of those articles and totally freaked me out and told me, I remember you got, you also said like, as a form of trying to get me to stop, you told dad right there. And dad was like, I'm not Liam Neeson. I can't come get you if something goes wrong. And then you both jumped <laughs> on this bandwagon of like, you got, you are walking into the situation of this, this girl who got stolen. Okay. <clears throat> that was reference to the movie Taken, giving full credit to the movie yes. Taken. Yes. All right. Here's the thing. By the way, your dad very much is like Liam Neeson, or but much better. But anyway, go ahead. Well, also, Liam Neeson is a murderer, and dad is a pastor, so you might not want to relate them. He's not a murderer. To- he's an actor. Oh, that's right. Liam Neeson is the actor's name. Okay, well, he's talking about him in the movie Taken, and in the movie Taken, he kills, like, at least 100 people. Well, he, he has to get it to his daughter. But anyway, okay, Well, that's go, true. Go. Okay, yeah, dad's great. There's no, nobody's arguing that dad's great. Okay, moving right along. I did consider canceling the trip. Because Aww. of how anxious you made me just in those few minutes. Thank you. But here's the thing. You're welcome. Yeah, you are effective. Is that what you needed to know? You are effective. <laughs> if only it had worked. But um, <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, obviously, whenever I'm going on a longer trip, there's always a concern about my health. And I, I'm not going to be bringing any of my medications with me uh, over the border, of course, because that's illegal. So I am not going to be doing that, which poses a risk of health. And that was one of the main arguments you were relying on, Mom, when you were saying you you cannot go, do not go or else. It's a very strong argument, by the way. But yes, keep going. Yeah, but here's the thing, is that my health has already prohibited me from living uh, what I consider to be a full life in so many different areas Mm -hmm. that I refuse to let it dictate what, what should be and are in most people's lives, their prime years, which are their 20s, because you normally are the freest you will ever be in your life. You have the least responsibility you will ever have in your life. 
and you are normally the healthiest that you will ever be in your life. Granted, that last one is not the case for me. But if I don't do it now, I know that I'm probably not going, you know, I accept that I might not get better Mm. as far as my health goes. And so if I don't do it now, the only option is then to do it later in life when it gets worse. And so this is the thing. I refuse to let my back and the pain that I'm in dictate whether or not I'm enjoying my life. And doing this is going to allow me to enjoy this part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's my best friend. It's something that we've wanted to do for a little while now. And travel has always been a huge part of my life. And I've always made a way for myself to do that. Mm -hmm. And there have definitely been a lot of bumps along the way, normally a lot of pain involved, but it doesn't stop me. And canceling this trip would be me conceding to my back as the ruler of my life, Mm -hmm. which when you allow your illness, you know, your chronic illness, your pain, your disease to dictate those kinds of choices, I think is when you make, you let you basically get to the point of no return. Like you're allowing your, your health to completely hijack your life. Couldn't you just cancel the trip and allow me to hijack your life? I would be all right with that. <laughs> you you try. You have already, you try regularly. Hashtag on the reg. <laughs> to hijack my choices. And you know, exhibit A through Z. however many, more than Z, more than that. Exhibit one through a thousand is the fact that I'm no longer living on your side of the planet. No. That was the first, the first decision you wanted Come to back. change. I'm gonna put you in my tummy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but this is the thing. You I have to live my life despite True. my health. That's a good point. But this is the thing. The anxiety that surrounds health, especially for me and also for my mom, it has such a strong impact on mm-hmm. <laughs> on how we live our lives. Mm-hmm. And it didn't used to be that way, at least not for me. I cannot recall ever having real problems with anxiety uh, until my surgery. So now that we have gotten through the hard part, through much personal <laughs> much personal uh, effort, there, thank you for bearing with me. Now, if you want, we can move on to the other examples that you wanted <laughs> to start with. The easier ones. Yeah, the easier ones. So how about you share, now that I've shared about Bali, how about you share one of your examples of how your anxiety is different now from when it used from what it used to be. Um yeah, so I've always uh struggled with um certain types of catastrophizing, which is a cognitive distortion, but I especially have that when I'm in the car. Um I will think of big smashes and big very dramatic bizarre scenarios. So I'm I'm you know, I'll think of something falling off of the overpass, or I will think of a plane running into me, or I will think of just because my accident was so unexpected and so bizarre, Mm. really. So out of the ordinary, you know, it was so, so odd. They put it on the front page of the newspaper because it just doesn't happen. Mm. Um, And so I think after you've gone through something so odd and so unexpected and so big, Yeah, like the chances of that happening were so small, and yet it did happen to you. It did happen, right. And so you, if anxiety sort of gets kicked up, I start looking for what possibly could be the next big, bizarre, massive thing. Mm. And then I have to just sort of, you know, process that and just say, okay, that's, I'm, I'm safe right now. Right now I'm safe. And I need to stay with me and just keep moving forward and living my life. Mm. And um, so I don't go into freeze or flight mode. Uh, mm. and I, I struggle with that every day that I drive, every or, day. Or as seen with our discussion on Bali, fight mode. 
<laughs> yes, right. So yeah, so that's one way that I've seen that be very different for me. How about you? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, before we move on to my next one, I wanted to say yes. how interesting I find it. Through doing this podcast, we have uh, heard back from a few different people about how meaningful it has been for them to hear us talk about the different types of trauma. And I think it is so important to say that, you know, our two different traumatic experiences, while each one was traumatic for both of us because we love each other, they were different types of trauma. So mom's was all of a sudden unexpected you know, shocking all of a sudden, whereas mine was kind of prolonged, somewhat expected, you know, the surgery was planned, but then what happened after the surgery wasn't planned, but it was like longer term, you know, little horrible things happening over and over again. You had like chronic trauma, but you also had acute instances of trauma as well. So Acute exacerbations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. Sorry, that I didn't mean for that to sound like a correction. That was just me thinking out loud. No, no that's okay. Yeah, and I think um, there's medical trauma. There's, uh, there's actually something that I'm very interested in right now called attachment trauma. And so there's mm. all kinds of different trauma. And yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. So another another example of how anxiety affects me differently now is that Previously, you know, before my uh, whole surgery thing and before mom's accident, you know, because these two things happened within the span of a year, uh, half a year, actually, because it was July Mm -hmm. and then my surgery was in late, late July and then hers was in early January. So that was um, about half a year that that both these things happened within. So it was a very traumatic year for us. (laughs) So before all of this happened, for me, life kind of seemed like nothing could really ever get too terribly bad. Because, you know, I was living on the beach. Yeah, I had chronic pain, but it kind of seemed like things would never get that bad. So if ever there was, say, an unexpected bill or one of my friends, you know, was in the hospital for a day and I wanted to go visit them or anything happened that might be, you know, like a bump in the road of life. I was like, okay, you know, that's just today. Who cares? Like, it'll be gone, done with by tomorrow. The sun will always rise, yada, yada, whatever. Now, (laughs) for example... My, this is, I'm just going to tell you that previously I I probably would have thought of this like, ah, who cares? I guess we'll just deal with it later. Whatever happens, happens. But this thing that has happened now is on my mind much more frequently than it would have been before all this traumatic stuff happened. And that is the topic of my teeth. Hmm. So my teeth were weakened through multiple surgeries. And the, the process of this weakening actually started happening back with all my leg surgeries. So I have, uh, obviously I haven't gotten, gone into too much detail about this thus far in the podcast, but I was given a lot of different medications, whether those be opiate painkillers or uh, in the case of my leg, an infection antibiotic that was very, very, very strong. Uh, and actually, side note, ruined a good deal of my sense of smell slash taste, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. But they, all, all these medications over the last however many years, I guess it would be like the last four years with all my different medical stuff, all my different medical experiences that have been happening, my teeth have been significantly weakened. And after my initial surgery, uh, my back surgery, with all the pain I was in, I actually cracked one of the fillings off of one of my molars. And then that weakened my tooth enough to then be able to crack that tooth and a couple other teeth in my mouth. So because of the pain that I was in, I've never been a teeth clencher or teeth grinder. But because of the pain at night, specifically, apparently, I clenched my teeth quite hard for a while and I cracked some of my teeth. And here's the thing. I've gone to a dentist about my cracked teeth here in Australia. 
And I told him the whole spiel, you know, pain, surgery, medications, weakened teeth. And now my teeth hurt. Why? And he said, you don't have any cavities, but your teeth are broken. You've, you've broken a couple of them. So I guess broken actually is too much. I cracked them. So they're just, they have little fissures and there's no way to, I guess, really know how deeply they go because my symptoms don't really, they're not really bad symptoms. They're just tender. But the dentist has said, okay, so you can live with your teeth right now. You just have to not like crunch like a jawbreaker or anything like that. Anything super hard. You shouldn't be biting down on really hard because your teeth are weakened. But if you are careful with your teeth from now on, your teeth will be fine. And I actually got two opinions on this tooth thing because of how anxious I was about them. And both dentists said, you'll be fine. And the one guy even said, as I left his office, he was like, okay, bye. And I went to the front desk and I paid for my appointment. And then I was leaving and he came back out into the front office and he said, hey, Anna. And turned around and said, oh, yes. You know, thinking that he was about to say, oh, I've discovered something else terrible. You're, you're, all your teeth are going to fall out. <laughs> he puts his hands up near his chest, like, uh, you know, he's got open palms like this. And he just goes, just calm down. Like that. <laughs> he goes, just I calm wish. down. And he said that in the lobby of the, of the dentist's office. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, right. easier said than done, brother. But all right, Yikes. I'll try. Yikes.edu. <laughs> yeah. Dentistry. Holy cow. You should have become a psychotherapist. Like, just calm down. Oh, my word. That's the key. Revolutionary. <laughs> anyway, so, but here's the thing. They told me it would be fine. Two dentists. They're actually very good dentists. They, they came well recommended throughout the area that we were in. They said that they would be fine. Here's the thing. Normally, before all this traumatic stuff happened, I'd have been like, fine. They'll mm-hmm. be fine. The guys mm-hmm. said that they would be fine. And mm-hmm. I need to just be okay with the fact that they're going to be fine. Here's what happens instead. A few times since I got this tooth prognosis and since the trauma all happened, I picture this. <laughs> I am about to fall asleep in bed. You know how your brain kind of like drifts off and you start to kind of lose present thought right in that in-between phase, that twilight stage right before you fall asleep. All of a sudden, my brain will decide, Teeth. Time to think about teeth. (laughs) It is time, baby. It is time to completely go nuts over your teeth. (laughs) And so, and it's not just like, oh my gosh, my teeth hurt. No, my teeth don't hurt. I don't have chronic tooth pain. I got nothing like that. The chronic pain is all in my back. It's got nothing to do with my teeth. But my brain decides, here's the thing, Anna, your teeth are not just minorly cracked And they will not just stay fine for as long as you take care of them. Here's what's actually going to happen. Your teeth are completely broken. First of all, here's here's the premise that you have to now agree to. Your teeth are broken, broken. And there are two distinct halves of each tooth wobbling around in your gums right now. You are going to need to go to the dentist and get get all of those teeth pulled. So all three or four of those teeth pulled. Uh, and also side note, they're not going to use anesthetics. So they're just going to rip them out of your teeth with pliers, even though you're in the first world, wow. even though you're in a first world country and you're going to get those teeth pulled. And then because each implant can cost up to $10,000, each dental implant. So that's per tooth, each fake tooth implanted into your jaw can cost about $10,000. You're probably not going to want to spend the $30,000 that it would cost to get those three teeth permanently replaced. So mm. that's going to end up in you having a smile that has holes And granted, those holes uh, in your mouth would be in the very back. But because of the way the photographer works, all of those holes are definitely going to be seen in every photo you ever take of your face for the rest of your life. Then 
people are going to think that Poor you baby. have no dental hygiene. They're going to think that you have never brushed your teeth in your life, that you're just missing all these teeth. And people are going to view you less. They're going to think of you less. They're going to think you're disgusting. They're never, not going to want to talk to you, etc. So now that is what happens in my brain. Mm. <laughs> right as I'm about to go to sleep, like nothing necessarily triggers it. Although it can, it can come on. Like if I feel like I'm losing control of other things in my life, then suddenly my anxiety about things that I have been told by medical professionals would be fine. Now, granted, that could come from the fact that it has become harder for me to trust medical professionals Mm -hmm. through all of this. But still, I certainly trust their expertise more than my own anxiety. And yet, here I am, nothing necessarily is going on to trigger this. But Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, I'm having a fully blown panic attack. Mm-hmm. My eyes are like the size of dinner plates. I'm just mm-hmm. laying in my bed. It's, a, you know, it's a dark room. Nothing is going on. It's quiet. We have background noise going on. You know, like we have rivers and birds singing in the background. And I should be fine. Mm-hmm. And yet here I am and I'm actively catastrophizing. I'm actively completely blowing things out of proportion. And also I'm what's called future telling, which is another cognitive distortion, mm-hmm. which is basically telling yourself, that these bad things are definitely going to happen. Mm -hmm. So catastrophizing is when you say, this small bad thing that is happening is going to turn into the end of the world. You know, it's it's a catastrophe. It's Mm -hmm. like a worldwide, my whole life is crumbling catastrophe. And future telling is when you say, this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be bad. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. I know what's going to happen and it's going to be the worst thing in the world. And, you know, even looking through that whole thing of like teeth, you know, my teeth are going to be all pulled out with no anesthesia and then all the photos of me are going to be terrible. You know, like so many things in that argument are so easily pointed to and said, that's not going to (laughs) happen. That's Mm -hmm. completely false. And there's no basis for you to even think that that's going to happen. But my anxiety now, it's like my anxiety processing plant in my brain is just broken a little bit. What do you what do you do to help with that? I mean, how do you get through that so you can go back to sleep? Do you have you found anything helpful or Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yes, there is something that helps me. So, there is one specific. So, like I said, we we do play background noise, which we didn't have to when we lived in the tropics, but now that we've moved, we don't have quite as nice of birds in the background. So, here we kind of have squawking birds. Back there we had like songbirds. So we put on songbirds and like wind blowing Mm. and a stream falling, you know, stream. (laughs) I was going to say a stream streaming in the background. But there's also another soundtrack that you can play. It's called Eternity. (laughs) And Aaron teases me about it all the time because he's like, Eternity has literally become the background of our life just because I play it so frequently. But it's this really nice, calming kind of music. It's almost like chimes, but it's not rapid. It's like one chime goes and then a long period of time passes, and then another tone Mm. comes, and it's very peaceful music. And so I put that on. And so then that way, it kind of makes me feel like my environment is controlled, because I can control what sound is going on, and I can control what's happening in my environment, at least immediately around me right now in this moment. And then I go through a thought process. There are two different ones that I go to. The first one is, all you can do right now is go to sleep. Yeah, what's happening right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is in your control right now other than just going to sleep. And then if that doesn't work, I tell myself, you need to go to sleep. So I start viewing myself in the second person Mm -hmm. talking at myself. I like separate my brain and I say, you need to go to sleep. And then I say, it is okay for you to go to sleep Mm -hmm. right now. Because the thing that tries to keep me up is 
I need to help myself. I need to fix my own body. And to do that, I need to stay awake. I, I need to come up with a plan. Right. If you start arguing with anxiety or start yeah. engaging the, the exactly. argument, that's going to, that's a no win situation. Exactly. So then I just tell myself, it is okay for you to go to sleep right now. There is mm. nothing else that you can do. And not only is it okay for you to go to sleep right now, but we want you to go to sleep right now. That is what's going to be the most helpful for your brain, mm-hmm. for your teeth. Your teeth are going to be okay. They're going to be in the exact same state tomorrow that they're in right now. They're going to be okay. So th- those are the two ways that I help myself mm. deal with my anxiety when those things happen. Do you do breathing? No, I don't. Well, I know that you have told me to do breathing before, but because of the lung damage that happened during mm. my surgery, that actually increases my pain. That's such a great point. That breathing doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. I don't I don't actually do too much breathing either. I will, you know, just try to Oh really? Boy, you I would not have guessed with how much you try to push it on me. Sometimes I sometimes definitely <laughs> if it's if I have to go to sleep, I'll try to I'll I'll try to focus on my breathing. But usually if it's in the car, I'll just kind of be nice and say, that's not helping me right now. Like, I'm not going to focus on that yeah. right now. I'm going to focus on living my life and I'm safe right now. And I, I have to live my life and I'm going to keep living my life. I'm going to keep staying here yeah. and I can't, I can't focus on that right now. So yeah. And that is the exact same thing with the whole Bali argument is that I am going to keep living my life yep, and I'm not going to let anxiety control me. And I'm, you know, yours or mine. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a great point. And I'm not going to let my health my health define, you know, what choices I'm making. Yes. But none of this changes the fact that I never had these kinds of panic attacks before I went through this trauma. So to any of our listeners who have also experienced like a, you know, a difference between maybe your anxiety before, maybe you never even noticed having anxiety Mm -hmm. more than, you know, everybody gets stressed once in a while. But anxiety, I think is different than just being stressed. It's like, it's focusing, it's obsessing, it's kind of going a little bit nuts over one thing that's really, really worrying you. And so to any of our listeners who think, why has my brain changed after this traumatic thing? Just know that you're not alone. That I think happens to a lot Mm. of people. At least it's happened to both of us. And I think, you know, like (laughs) when you were talking about the field trips, like there's little phrases you can do to try (laughs) to help yourself too. Like for me, the new phrase for me is, fifth grade field trips. <laughs> so that's very helpful. I've, I've found this podcast extremely helpful. Can I just say that? <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad. Previously, just for those of you who are wondering, we actually, like I try, I breached this topic. I said, I think we should do an episode on anxiety. And I think that we should talk about <laughs> our recent experience with Bali. Mom said, absolutely not. I can't, I can't talk about can't that. Talk about and it. she fought me on it. And then I said, mom, Let's just try it one way, my way, and you can stop it if you want, and then you can go and do it your way. But please just give me a chance. I think we should just try it. And it was And now look, it's been so helpful. Yes, it has been. Yeah, so you got to take risks. You got to try things that you might think are helpful because look, now we're all helped. Very true. I mean, granted- I'm probably going to have another anxiety attack about this in five minutes. Well, no. <laughs> going, we, we have about to going to Bali. Stay, stay in the present moment, and we have to live our life. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great that's a great word. and. You know, part of me doing this uh, stand-up comedy stuff is is kind of along those lines of okay, I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna do what feels impossible. Yeah, for those of you who might be out of the loop, Mom just did another another stand-up comedy night last night. Yes, I did. So proud of you. You're oh, my hero. Thank you. It was hard, but it was good. 
mom has a lot of friends on Facebook, and part of that is due to the fact that she friend requests all of the friend, all of my friends on Facebook, <laughs> all of my husband and friends, all of Joe's friends, all too. my brother's friends, and all of my brother's wife's friends yes. on Facebook. Yes, anyone who will have me. So she not only has her friend group, <laughs> she has yeah, she has the friends of all of her friends' friends. <laughs> but here's the thing: she posted about this this uh, comedy night that she's done. And a lot of people totally were so loving and just said, you know, that is so cool. You are so cool. And here's the thing. Whenever I see all those people posting that stuff like, you are the coolest. You are great. We are so proud of you. I always think maybe you're proud of her, but I'm more proud of her. <laughs> She's my mom. <laughs> She's <so> mine. <laughs> She's my hero. Yeah. She's my hero but we, in a more meaningful way than she will ever be anyone else's But I think of, of life, I think you're, you're exactly right. Life after trauma is a choice to live your life and not live in fear. And it's, it's very, very hard. And it's wonderful to have someone with me to do that. You, Anna, Nate, of course, Joe, all my family, friends, just uh, it, it's, it's big, you know, it's important. It's an important step in recovery is, is choosing to live your life. So. Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about how you choked on your anxiety earlier in this episode. I know. I've come okay. a long way in one, in one podcast. Look at how great I am now. Yeah, I'm you so, have. I'm yeah, so brave. So I'm much so, yes, as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to go faint. But anyway. Start, start Googling again. Anyways, thank you all for being with us. We're just about at the end of our time. But thank you for listening. And we just wanted to share with you how we deal with our own anxiety post-trauma. So we might have to retouch on this now and then in other episodes, but this is the full rundown of the fact that we are kind of messed up now after our trauma, but that's okay. We love ourselves anyway. And thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.